restaurant with his wife in Harlem in 1973. According to his family, he lived in that kitchen. Food was a love language for him. Chan dedicated most of his time to running his restaurant, making sure he would be able to continue to provide for his family and support his children. When he retired in 2004, he sold the restaurant and often spent time playing poker with his friends and spending time with his grandchildren. He was 82. His daughter, Loretta Chan, said, quote, He was like the captain of a ship. Seeing him in charge of his restaurant, it was like his kingdom. Thank you for tuning into Edge News. Tonight's producer has been Amaya Spence. Tonight's engineer has been Laura Steinberg. Sources for Edge News have been provided by the New York Times, Thompson Reuters, PBS NewsHour, The Gothamist, The City, The New Paltz Daily Digest, Hudson Valley One, and The New Paltz Oracle. Stay tuned for some more cutting edge music. From the entire Edge News team, have a beautiful night! Okay, kids, the campfire's out. Let's hit the road. Uh, Dad, the fire's not out. It's still smoking. No, uh, close enough. Come on, Dad, do your homework. If it's too hot to touch, then it's too hot to leave. I knew that. You're never too young to get your smoky on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. All right, well, welcome back to 88.7 FM, The Edge. You're listening to Hawk Talk. My name is Connor McPhail, your host. And today we have our guest, Jackson Vertucci, a member of the men's basketball team. Jackson, if you'd like to introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, hey, everybody. Uh, Jackson Vertucci, um, senior men's basketball um, from New York City, uh, major in business analytics and uh, business management. So I'm doubling up there, and uh, I think I think that's all about me. Nice, man. So just to get into it a little bit, how have you been? How's your year going so far? How's this weird new, uh, I guess, learning style semester going for you? Yeah, you know, it's been an adjustment. Um, I think I've, I've done a pretty good job of adapting to the environment. Uh, all my classes are online. Um, you know, obviously with the whole sports situation, too, it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just keep keeping going. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really thinking about what it could have been or what it could be kind of just taking it for what it is and, uh, moving forward. Gotcha. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that, not just to jump into, I guess, the, the hard hitting questions, but I know recently the SUNYAC announced the cancellation of your season. Sadly, Even, shortly after they released like the eight game schedule, how are you, how have you been handling that? If you want to tell us how you've been feeling and stuff. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's crazy, right? You know, they released the schedule, yeah. and I think everyone on our team and, and other teams around the conference would agree that we kind of had a sense of hope. Uh, to me, it felt kind of like 
they were saying, you know, we're going to do our best to do this. And the only thing stopping us would be another, uh, a second wave or something like that, you know, a second wave yeah. of coronavirus. So, yeah, we kind of all had hope. And then for a week later, for it to kind of just be gone like that, um, yeah. was, was it's still we, we still don't completely understand why they chose to conduct conduct it in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's super unfortunate. Who who were your – I mean, there was only – I know a couple other Syndiac schools that you guys play were shut down. So the eight-game schedule was only – consisted of four teams you played twice, right? Uh, yes. Who, do you know, who were the – it was – Yes, we had uh, Oneana, Potsdam, Plattsburgh, um, and I believe Cortland. And so yeah. what they kind of did is split it east-west. Um, so that's why um, it was made that way. So Potsdam, Plattsburgh, even though they're all the way up north, they're still on the uh, eastern side of the state. So they were kind of going to be in our little um, conference within the conference. So, Yeah. And it's super unfortunate. Um, you know, you work so hard. And I wanted to dive into this as well. Um, just how – your teammates are handling it and stuff. And like, I know you, I don't know. I was looking at this and it looks like you're listed as a senior or you're listed as a junior. Cause you have actually, you have eligibility. I don't know if you're looking mm-hmm. to come back, but as a team, how, how is it, what was the response? Cause I know you guys always are looking to compete every year and you guys are just getting into practices and stuff. But. Yeah, it, it, it was, that was also kind of crazy because, you know, it was a casual Monday afternoon and, one of our teammates sent uh, something from Twitter into the group chat. It was some random basketball source on Twitter was reporting that the SUNYAC was canceling their season. Um, and this was at, like, I got to say, 11, 11.30 a.m. And yeah. we were all kind of like, okay, like, no one has said anything yet. Like, let's, let's not just jump to conclusions about uh, if this is true or not. And then, you know, what do you know, like 25 minutes later, uh, our coach says, like, you know, emergency Zoom meeting. And then after that, we kind of all were just like, damn, like, <laughs> I guess it is true. Yeah. Um, and, and that's another thing kind of with the way they kind of handled it. You know, we found out from Twitter. Um, yeah. We didn't even find out. I mean, you feel, you feel, I feel like a, a professional team here finding out things from Twitter as opposed to our coaches or the athletic department. So, yeah, I mean, I, in a way we can – our team can relate a little bit being, I mean, we haven't had heard any news about our season, knock on wood, but last season when our season got like in the middle of it, got cut short, you know, it's just, it's almost demoralizing. It's like, damn it. Just, just like that. You're just going to stop it. Just just Mm -hmm. in the middle, especially like that. When you guys are just getting into it, you're getting excited about the eight game schedule. So I'm I'm super sorry about that. I mean, it's got to, got to stink. Hope, hope everyone on the team's doing well. But yeah, just to maybe get on a little brighter note, I know you guys were pretty optimistic about the season. What were your expectations? Like, you know, maybe if you expectations for this year, maybe next year, I don't know what your plans are, but. Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, um, I have, I, you're right. I do have an extra year of eligibility. Um, and technically now too, assuming yeah. everything still goes the way it does. Yeah. Um, my future plans, um, were to, do a fifth year at the school here 
Um, I won't lie. Um, everything's kind of up in the air right now uh, in terms of my future here, which, you know, is, is with most things though in my life. Um, still haven't really made that decision yet. Um, and then I guess for our team, you know, obviously we struggled a lot last year. Uh, blame it on what you want. Um, but I, I just just working out with some of the new guys coming in, some of the freshmen, some of the transfers. Um, very impressive, very impressive talent, very impressive skill, high basketball IQ. Um, I think the program is in good hands moving forward. Um, I was hoping to maybe kind of get that started this year, um, but it'll have to wait. Yeah, so, I mean, I know you guys are always, you know, you, you, your team does a great job of recruiting and bringing in good guys, and I know you guys have expectations, and I guess you just need to find that right group of guys to connect and really get the rhythm going. On top of the Suniac being a very tough conference for basketball, just like any other sport. But, yeah. Um, so you think you're coming back next year? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see what the, the future holds. Uh, yeah, exactly. I wish I could give you a definitive answer. Um, but right now, um, the options I got are, are, um, still being weighed. Gotcha. But for now, now that you've heard this news, are you guys still able to like play at all practice, you know, get some reps at least? Yeah. Right now we're going three times a week, uh, at night in the Hawk center. Yeah. Um, which is fun. It's just fun to get in there. Uh, we're hoping to get that expanded. Um, we're one of the teams on campus who uh, we want more of the practice. I know that's kind of been a debate recently for, for some other teams, but we're definitely one of those that we, we enjoy getting in that gym and, and we we're, we're hoping to get more time in the near future. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even for, for us and I'm sure all the teams like the, the fall teams, they're still practicing and it's just nice to, to play you know you get you, you're in quarantine for a couple months and then you know you, it's just nice to be, be with your be with your teammates and get some reps but even with the unfortunate news but to go into another topic and I wanted to talk to you about this a little bit but I know you're a, a member of SAC and you're pretty um active in it mm -hmm. um if you want to talk about that how you got into it I know you're the I want to say this correctly you're the board or the chair the chair member of diversity and inclusion if you want to talk about how that's going, how you got into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm on the SAC e-board. I had the diversity and inclusion subcommittee. Um, I kind of got into it. I was a general member last year in that subcommittee. Um, and then this year I kind of took over uh, leading it. Um, and I love it. And I love the work that we're doing this year. Um, we have the interview series going. Um, if uh, anybody saw with, with Carly Croto uh, interviewing a SUNY Pulse alumni, hoping to have a few more of those interviews put together and posted before the end of the semester. Um, we're actually also in the process of getting a guideline uh, or sort of like a procedure, if you may, thrown into the student-athlete handbook that'll make it easier for student-athlete team pages, the, the actual you know, like the City New Paltz men's volleyball team page or the men's basketball team page. Um, yeah. we're, in, we're, we're right now working on getting a process put into the athlete handbook that'll make it easier for you guys to post uh, human rights support, um, staying away from political statements, obviously. Um, 
But if things work out, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully you guys will have an easier platform um, where you could uh, uh, post, post your support for uh, human rights movements and, and things of that nature. Awesome. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I see the stuff you guys are doing. I saw the interview with Carly and Sebastian. But to go, I know you're big involved in it now, but maybe for the people that want to get involved in some younger student athletes, how did you get started in this whole thing? In a, in a sack? Yes. Sorry. Yep, yep no problem. Um, yes. Yeah, so, you know, obviously when the time comes around to fill out the application, you know, get on it. And, and, I, and I only say that because it, it always seems like a side thing to do. And then mm -hmm. you never – I know a lot of people that were really interested and then they just literally never filled out the application. Yeah. You know, if, if you're really interested in doing it, you know, go go ahead and apply and, and get into it because, you know, the stuff that we have the power to do as student-athletes, you're not going to get it in in most other places on campus. Um <sighs> You know, the, the, the committee is run by us. It only consists of student-athletes. There, there's no one else there. Um, so if you want to kind of do stuff off the field or off the court or and whatnot, uh, it, it's one of the best places to go to, to put real change into action. And I think, you know, you're seeing that this year. Um, we're a very active sack this year, um, and, and we're getting a lot done. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's nice to know that you're impacting your community in more ways than, than just your sport. hundred percent. And I, I, I've noticed that you guys are posting a lot. I know like, uh, Olivia D'Antoni on the women's volleyball team is, I think posted something recently about it. And it just, it's, it's really awesome to see about that, but to go into how, I know we just talked about how you got involved and how other people can get involved, but how has, how do you think this has impacted you a little bit more? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I, I kind of going into this year, I, I wanted to make sure that if I was going to do SAC and I, I was going to be a leader in it, that um, I was going to hold myself accountable to um, make actual change happen. And that was kind of my challenge to myself. You know, it'd be easy to kind of go in there and, and you know, make a, few, a nice few big statements, use some big words, and, and that's all nice and good. But, um I think challenging myself to get tangible stuff out there to help our community. Um, it's been pretty fulfilling for me and it's kind of helped me get through some of these more down or, or tougher times, you know, just focusing my energy to doing stuff like that. So it's been a good outlet um, in, in that sense. That's awesome. But um, to go into it a little bit more, I recently, and you did an interview last year on your sack involvement and stuff and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll read the quote out a little bit that you said because i i personally loved it you said diversity and inclusion is not just a relevant topic on our campus but around the world i've learned a lot about diversity and inclusion specifically at the pulse and i use the knowledge when observing the world around me why do certain people have this perspective how can i make it known to this person i accept them for who they are these are questions i ask myself every day in hopes to improve new pulse and maybe one day our world as a whole and while reading that, I mean, that's just a very empowering statement. I mean, how did you come to get in this state of mind and like just wanting to help people so much? Uh, yeah, so it actually stems from basketball. I, um, I was a part of a program when I was younger, and I, I, I'm still a part of it now called Steady Buckets in, in Manhattan, in New York City. 
And the founder, Mackie Bergman, whenever you first go, the first lesson that he teaches you is is to accept people for who they are. You know, you're there to play basketball. You're not there to do anything else. You're not there to judge people or anything like that. And I guess to put more context to it, the program itself right now is a seven day a week free program. Um, and how's that relevant? Well, since the program is free, there's no socio socioeconomic or, you know, the, there's no economic uh, restrictions. You know, people who don't have money show up. People who have a lot of money show up. People from different neighborhoods, from different parts of New York City show up. And because it's free. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is these, these sports camps that cost a lot of money, there's kids that can't afford it that get left out. And you end up playing with the same type of person. But I was kind of, from a very young age, put into an environment with a lot of different types of people. And so I learned, I, I was learning diversity and inclusions probably since I was in second or third grade, and I had no idea. Um, because the, the people that I played basketball with every single day were nothing like me and were a lot different from me in many different ways. Um, and so some of those guys, even today, are one of my, some of my best friends. And that's how I became best friends with them because I had to tell myself maybe when I was younger, I didn't understand the way they thought or the way they did things, you know, those questions, like how, how can I make it known that, you know, I want to be a part of this with them and, and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's awesome that you're so involved in the community and also in that article I read, I mean, like you, I know the new Paltz community over the, not this summer, but the summers before they host a, a sports camp for these kids to do stuff. And I know you're involved in some of that and stuff. I mean, like do you have any tips, tricks for people to, who that want to get involved in the community a little bit more, maybe in the new Paltz area or, or in the city besides uh, yeah. the one that you just mentioned, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess my biggest piece of advice is like when you, when you, when you want to connect with people who you maybe don't know is, is you got, you gotta be willing to listen. You gotta be willing to learn. Um, even if you think like I, I often think maybe I know everything and then I meet someone new and I'm like, well, I never thought about something like that before. And the willingness to listen, the willingness to learn from what other people have to say, um, that, that, that'll help you build the relationships that you want to build. And that's how you get people to trust you and respect you. And once you have the trust and respect of the people around you, it's a lot easier to get them on board with, you know, something like SAC or um, something like a community service project because, you know, you have to, you have to prove yourself. You have to prove you're actually there to help people. Um, I think that's a crucial step. A lot of people forget is that, you know, sometimes the hardest part is just getting people on board. And then once you do that, the, the rest kind of follows suit. Yeah, man. I mean, that's awesome. I, I, that, 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 I mean, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I, the input is great. And anybody out there listening, please try and take action because I know it's always a fulfilling action to do that for yourself. And, and I know other people like that really appreciate it. But mm -hmm. for right now, we're going to take a quick break. But more Hawk Talk next on 88.7 FM, The Edge. There's a monster under my bed. For a child with asthma, monsters are everywhere. 
There's a monster in my bathtub. Something as innocent as a teddy bear or a bath toy could trigger their next asthma attack. Here are ways to help. Freezing stuffed animals to kill dust mites. Drying bath toys to prevent mold. Learn how to end your child's asthma attacks at noattacks.org or call 866-NO-ATTACKS because their next breath is in your hands. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. CDC is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of a novel or new coronavirus. There are steps you can take now to get ready if an outbreak occurs in your community. Make a household plan. Learn how to prepare and to take quick action if someone gets sick. Older adults and people with chronic medical conditions are at greater risk. Take extra steps to protect them. Think about what you will do if there are changes to your work schedule. And remember to always practice good health habits, such as frequently washing hands with soap and water, staying home when sick, and covering coughs and sneezes. For more information, visit cdc.gov. All right, welcome back to 88.7 FM, The Edge. You're listening to Hawk Talk. Uh, we're back here with Jackson. And Jackson, I just wanted to go. I know you just mentioned about growing up in, um, in, the, in the city and getting involved in this stuff, but I know growing up in the city, basketball culture is huge. What was it like growing up in like a city, in the city, especially going to a high school that's super competitive that I, I, I know it, the one you was, the, was the one you went to? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just you saying it. it it's <laughs> it's 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 really it's unreal. Um, like I would have games Tuesday, Friday, every Tuesday, Friday, and every single one would be packed. And I mean, that's probably just the product of the environment I was in. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I, you know, we had we had two and we have two NBA guys right now that that were on that team. And at one point, my, you know, my junior year when I played varsity, we had, I'm pretty sure nine kids ended up playing college basketball on one team, um, which included four D1s. Um, and then obviously the NBA guys we have in there now. Um, but the, the passion that people have for basketball that don't even really play it, um, it it's contagious. And it, and it, you know, I still, whenever I need a little kick, um, up here I think about you know the people back there and and just you know the people that that would be at the games watching that that would give me support and kind of kind of believe in me that didn't even know me um and you know being in that environment was awesome and I I'm trying you know New Paltz is great but it's definitely not that I'll tell you that (laughs) I was about to I wanted to go into that being that like you went to such a crazy cultured high school with such a competitive atmosphere, what, how was the transition from that to New Paltz? I mean, how were you able to handle it and stuff? Yeah, so I mean, the physical aspect of the game—it's always going to change when you get to college. You know, even even the best guys on our team, uh, you know, struggle a little bit um, physically. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because you're playing with men now, and 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 that was kind of a transition, uh, a struggle for me um, when I got here. Um, I was originally just a uh, three-point shooter in high school. I was a role player. Um, and the fact that I played a role was intriguing to a lot of college coaches um, because I could kind of just fit right into a system because I already kind of played in a high-level system. Um, but when I got here, the the original coach who recruited me, uh, who's not here anymore, wanted me to be a point guard. Um, so having to kind of switch – 
from being a role player to, to maybe having the ball in my hands a little bit, I struggled with. Yeah. Um, but the mental side of it, I, I was, I felt like I, and I still feel like I know so much from being in that environment. The, the, my basketball IQ was a lot higher than I think some of my peers coming in. Um, just, just the knowledge that I would get from some of these other guys around me. I mean, you know, obviously, for those who don't know, it, I played with Cole Anthony in high school and, and guys like his dad, uh, Greg Anthony, who played for the Knicks, would be around. And, you know, college coaches like Chris Mullen and um, Bill Self, um, some assistant coaches from Duke would be in the gym sometimes. And you, know, you have conversations with these people and, and the basketball that they talk about, it's like a, it was like a whole other world. And, you know, I still I still don't feel that world here at New Paltz, obviously, you know, being a division three, it's a lot different from those powerhouse programs, but I took kind of all the knowledge I got from them and I use it every day here. Yeah. I mean that the fact that you were able to grow up in an environment like that, where you had the opportunity to just learn from these great minds is, is really awesome. And I know people uh, don't take advantage of it at the most sometimes I don't think. So <laughs> the fact that you're here with such an IQ and like this passion is really awesome that you're involved in the program. But I know you talked about it a little bit, but maybe was you would consider the transition easier, harder than than most? Uh, I'd say I, I'd say it was hard. Um, I had to physically get myself ready to play. Um, yeah. I, uh, and, you know, playing against men, you know, being you know 18 year old in, in a contact sport. I mean, basketball isn't always looked at as a contact sport, but it is physical. Um, and so I struggled a little bit in that sense. Um, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything too crazy. I think a lot of the yeah. mental stuff that I got from, from high school helped me out a lot. Yeah. I know we just dove into that too, but to just kind of, I mean, do you have any advice or tips for people to look into play college basketball and like make that, that transition? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess the one thing I wish that I took more seriously when I came in is um, the physical aspect of the game, obviously, as I said before, but more, more focused on your mobi mobility. Um, you know, everyone likes to go in the gym and, and start doing bicep curls and, 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 you know, hitting the bench press and all that stuff, but your lower body um, is so, so essential. Um, mm -hmm. As you start to play higher levels of basketball, uh, I think Kobe Bryant, um, you know, rest in peace. But yes. one of the best pieces of advice that I think I've ever heard from him was he, he, would, he would show these moves that people would do on the court, you know, professional level. And he would be like, the only reason that guy got that shot, the only reason he was able to make that move, or the only reason he was able to, to, make, to stay on his feet was because they had strong lower body. Um, and you see the same kind of analysis in boxing. Um, boxers who have weak legs, when they get tired, they go down faster. And so having that lower body base that I've unfortunately only recently got at its peak now, um, if I had had that when I was younger, I might have had a, a, a different kind of career here, unfortunately. But that, I guess that's my best piece of advice. Work on that lower body strength. It's just as important as the upper body. Gotcha. And just also, I think you mentioned it before, and I think it can 
like to this topic um just like educating yourself on and just like learning from like the greats and stuff i mean it seems like you're really invested into the game of basketball and, and love learning from like people who have like you know done great things in the sport so for myself in the volleyball community i just love watching like film and stuff and like dissecting the game so i think that's another good piece not like i'm a basketball pro but i always think that can help anybody in every sport yep i agree but but to go into some more fun stuff i wanted to ask you this first i don't know if anybody has seen but we do these fun fact segments at the athletic department and mm-hmm. we're struggling to find some fun facts so do you have any fun facts about yourself or your teammates that you can share that we can uh, maybe do some videos on? Uh, yeah, so uh, I can juggle. Uh, I know okay. people love okay. to watch that. Um, I have a magic trick up my sleeve, a one-card trick that I use uh, every single time. Uh, trying to think of what else I got. Um, I, th- I think that's it for me. I'm trying to not think of some of my teammates. Hmm. I'm honestly trying to think of my teammates who wouldn't want to get on camera so I could, I could get them on camera. Cause I know that'd yes. be funny. That's always mm. the best. Yeah, it is. Oh gosh. Uh, well, I know some of you guys know Isaiah. Isaiah is a pretty good dancer. He likes okay. to dance a lot. Um, but man, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know. I don't got anything off the top of You're my head. You're a blank. It's all good. But if, if hey, if something comes the... to me, I'll, I'll stop. Something comes up. And I'll make sure. Yes. <laughs> but so I have some superlatives down that I think would be fun to, you know, name that teammate who would do the most likely thing. So we'll go through them all. The first one I got for you is who who's most likely to get dunked on and or dunk on somebody? Okay. So the person that's most likely to get dunked on is 100% Tyreek Frazier. I don't know if anyone knows Tyreek, but but I like to always think that I could dunk on Tyreek, and I still haven't reached that point yet. Um, yeah. But Tyreek, the reason that he, I think he's the most likely to get dunked on is because he's one of the few people I know that will play defense on anybody, um, similar to why I think Patrick Ewing has gotten dunked on a lot in his career. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. by Michael Jordan, I've seen a lot of those highlights, and they're all disappointing to watch. Being a Knicks fan, but that's why yeah. I think that's why I think he would be the person. And then he's all, but he's also the person who's most likely to dunk on somebody. So he's got that. He's going both. On. Yep, he is both wow. for me. That's pretty good. All right, next one. Who is most likely to get crossed up or cross up somebody? So the person most likely to cross somebody up is my guy, RJ. Um, he's one of the faster players you'll see at the Division Three level. Um, and then person most likely to get crossed up, uh, it's definitely, I, you know, I was going to say me because <laughs> I've been crossed up a few times in my life. I'm not yeah. I'm never afraid to play defense. And unfortunately, as I said before, when you're not afraid to play defense, you end up on the wrong side of the highlight reel yeah. a lot. Sometimes, um, so you know what? I'll, I'll go with me because you know what okay. recently i've been getting crossed up a little too much for my liking hey i mean myself on the spot sometimes you got to take it on the chin i'm glad you respect to that w f n p
Rosendale. Boris Love. Boris is all ready to do his favorite song. We can get a couple green lights on his face. Sing a song called The Monster Mash. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. When my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the monster match. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on the flash. It's called the monster match. A laboratory in the castle leaves. In the master bedroom where the vampire sleeps. The girls all came from their hamlet to get a jolt from my electro. They did the monster match. It was a graveyard smash. It got all the flash. The monster match. It's called the monster match. Zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included William Trackler and his little baby boy. Rocking over, digging the sound. Igor unchained that wild thing. All the bangers were about to arrive. But the group, the beach boy, they did the monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on and flashed. It's called the monster mash. What lucky girl in the audience would care to dance with Igor? Mm -hmm. The monster mash is so close. 